بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on نهج البلاغة by Mizan Institute وفرض عليكم حج بيته الحرام الذي جعله قبلة للأنام يردونه ورود الأنعام ويألهون إليه ولوها الحمام After the Imam in this part of the khutbah uh, speaks of the Holy Quran as that beacon of light that the Holy Prophet left behind um, to be followed after him and the details in that regard the Imam moves on to one of the greatest forms of worship that have been mentioned um, in this holy book of the Quran which is the Hajj now as has been uh, kind of pointed to before and explained before Nahj uh, al-Balagha is not just a book in which you'll have khutbah after khutbah um, preserved in its original form without any cutting out, without any um, abridgment of the khutbahs. It is not like that. It's a book that in which Sayyid al-Radihi was after bringing the more eloquent parts of the sayings and the sermons of Imam Ali into a book. So what he does is sometimes he will take out parts of a khutbah and only bring other parts of it because those are the more eloquent parts in his in his uh, eyes. And so here, in this part of the khutbah, there you, you do sense a little bit of a jump as the imam is speaking of the Qur'an. All of a sudden it says, and Allah has made obligatory upon you the pilgrimage of hajj. Okay? وَفَرَضَ عَلَيْكُمْ حَجَّ بَيْتِهِ um, that's what the Arabic says. Now, the translation I have in front of me doesn't have the word and. It just says, Allah has made obligatory upon you. The pilgrimage of the Hajj. So, the translation has taken out that word and. And so, if you were to read the English only, you would think to yourself, okay, like, what's the, I don't have a problem with the Hajj, but why is Imam Ali only singling Hajj out all of a sudden when he speaks of the Quran? But in reality, you can tell there was a list of things he probably was going through. One of them was the Hajj. Sayyid al-Radi likes how the Imam um, is exhibiting eloquence when he's speaking of Hajj, and so he brings that um, that part of the khutbah. And you can tell that other parts might have most probably been taken out. And when you listen to it, yeah, you can see that it, it rhymes, and there's a little bit of a poetic touch to the Imam's words here. He says, وَفَرَضَ عَلَيْكُمْ حَجَّ بَيْتِ الْحَرَامِ الذي جعله قبلة للأنام يردونه ورود الأنعام يألهون إليه ولوها الحمام. So you can tell that you know there's this is probably the reason why uh, Sayyid al-Radi brings this part of the khutbah. Anyway, let's get into some of the points here in regards to the Hajj. Uh, personally, Hajj, Umrah, these are, I mean not, I mean I say personally, but like I think this is the case with uh, all the Muslims out there. They are. Um, some of the greatest forms of worship and most favorite forms of worship that we have as Muslims, and as I and as I said personally, even I, per, I I'm very inclined to this this ibadah. Um, may Allah bless us all to be able to go again and again to worship Him there and to perform the pilgrimage of Hajj and Umrah, inshallah. All right. So he says, "Wafarada alaykum al-haram," and Allah has made obligatory upon you the Hajj of his sacred house here it says, Baytihil Haram. Haram comes from Hurma and sanctity. 
and the ihtiram and respect, meaning that there are some red lines there, there are some boundaries you cannot cross. Masjid al-Haram is a place where you're not allowed to do anything you want to do. Okay? So it's this it's a sacred place. Farada alaykum al-haram. Now he made this a qibla for the people. Um, qibla, when you are turning towards something, you are muqbil towards it. Iqbal of something means when you turn towards something, when you embrace something. So qibla is a place where people turn towards, which shows, okay, just the fact that Allah has said, okay, all Muslims of the world, this is your qibla, this is where you face for example, when you're praying to me, this itself shows the high, high status of the Kaaba. Yaridunahu wurud al anam, wa ilayhi wuduh al hamam. Which means that these uh, people, they enter Masjid al Haram the same way beasts will enter a waterhole. Let's say. So we've watched, we've all watched these nature shows where it shows like a pack of wildebeest, a pack of uh, a group of elephants, whatever, getting close to a water hole. What happens when they come to the water hole? Well, of course, they first of all quench their thirst. First and foremost, that's what they'll do. And what else is happening there? They'll sometimes go in the water, they will cleanse themselves. And, and so it says here that these people, when they go to Masjid al-Haram, it's like a, a group of beasts or these animals that go. Now, of course, it's not trying to be negative here. It's not trying to speak in a derogatory way here. And, and call people beasts and animals. No, it's saying, look, when you when you watch a pack of uh, a group of animals when they get to a waterhole, what happens there? It's all good for them. They're quenching their thirst. They're cleaning themselves. Everything is it's like a, a new beginning for them, as if right. So these people, the same way, these animals you see them after before they're before and after the waterhole. That same way, the people are when they go to Hajj. When they go to Masjid al-Haram. Before that, it was like they were disheveled and dusty. They needed cleansing. They needed to be purified. They were thirsty. They needed to quench their thirst. There was a need that they had in them. Without that need, like they can't even survive as if afterwards, they're cleansed. They are as if they were just born from their mothers, etc., etc., what the hadith tells us about hajj. And so here the it's very uh, nice the, the metaphor that the Imam uses. Also, now here the translations, there are different translations for this part. What I personally liked the most and kind of matched the context and the siyaq that we're in is that the same in the same way that the pigeons, you know, you'll see pigeons when you go to Masjid al Haram, you see how the pigeons are all over the place. Or in Masjid al Nabi, you'll see pigeons. You know, they, they find a sanctuary there. When they're there, and you even see this in the shrines of the imams as well, um, the pigeons are going to be there resting, not feeling threatened, always taken care of, you know. Um, so here, it's saying that just like these pigeons, the people also, they find a sanctuary there. They find refuge there. The same way the pigeons will find refuge, the people also find refuge there. And that's... This is something big when it comes to the Kaaba, when it comes to Masjid al-Haram. This is actually something big. That Allah is making a point about it. That this is a sanctuary where you are safe in. And this just, just shows how great Imam Hussein was who left Masjid al-Haram, left Mecca 
when he felt that, okay, his life is in danger and they might spill his blood in that sanctuary, he says to himself, and he lets everyone know that, look, this is the sanctuary of God. Okay, people are supposed to always feel safe here. I'm going to leave Masjid al-Haram now that my life is in danger. And I'm speaking of, you know, that last year of his life when he was there for Dhul-Hijjah. Um, I'm leaving. Why? Because I don't want my blood to be spilled here. And eventually his blood was spilled in Karbala a few months later or like about a month later or maybe less even. And so it just shows that Imam Hussein understands how important this is in Allah's eyes. Imam Hussein could have stayed in, the, in, in, in Masjid al-Haram in Mecca and said, hey people, I'm not going to leave even if they spill my blood just to prove how evil these people are. But no, 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 no. There are some things that are not to be compromised, that are not to be played with. وَجَعَلَهُ سُبْحَانَهُ عَلَامَةً لِتَوَاضُعِهِمْ لِعَظَمَتِهِ وَإِذْعَانِهِمْ لِعِزَّتِهِ This Hajj, Allah made it a uh, an acknowledgement of His dignity, it says. إِذْعَانِهِمْ لِعِزَّتِهِ تَوَاضُعِهِمْ لِعَظَمَتِهِ He made it a sign of their of the people's humility before His greatness. Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit because the Hajj, brothers and sisters, if you're going to go to Hajj and you're going to accept this obligation of Allah on your shoulders, it means that you know what you're going to be going through, number one, of course. You know what the Hajj is all about. You know how hard it's going to be, especially during the time of the Prophet. Nowadays, of course, you've got the AC blowing, you've got the food ready for you, the caravans, etc. But all in all, back then, and even today, even today with all the technology we have and all the convenience that we have now, Still, it's not easy. Hajj is not easy. So if you know what Hajj is all about, number one. Number two, you're still accepting to go because Allah had said, has said so. This shows that, okay, you understand that Allah is more important than you. This is, this is something important to think about, brothers and sisters. You know what the Hajj is all about. And still, it's not a vacation or anything. And still, you decide to go. Plus, you have to spend a whole bunch of money. Plus, you have to spend a whole bunch of time, especially in the past. It wasn't just like a, a two-week trip or a one-week trip. It was much more than that. You have to do all of this. So you are making a compromise on everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know when you go how hard it's going to be to the point where how belittled you will become. When you are in ihram, you, you're not allowed to use good fragrances and scents. And so, if you want to shower, go ahead and shower, but you got to use a shampoo, at least according to our fiqh, that doesn't have a scent to it. Okay? You get all sticky and sweaty, and it's just not easy, brothers and sisters. We know. Now, all of this you're embracing for the sake of Allah. You are bringing yourself down for Allah. This hajj, if performed properly, it becomes a sign of your humility towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the most, most important things for Allah, that we understand how low we are. Because if we don't, one of the problems that's going to arise is going to be the same problem that, that happened for shaitan, albeit at a much lower level, but still, Allah needs to let us know, at least once in our lives, put us on this journey, so that we always remember what we're all about. We're all about weakness. We're all about smelling bad and being sticky and Two days I can't take a proper shower, like everything's done, you know? And so this person who goes to Hajj, 
first of all accepts this, acknowledges Allah's greatness, and he, that had how I have to listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then when they go, this is a sign of their humility towards Allah because they are bringing themselves so low, no matter who they are, even if they're a king. They're bringing themselves so low for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the ultimate tawadu. But what are we gaining? What we're gaining as a result of this is really great. What is it? We'll get to that. Imam Ali says what we get out of it. But he goes on before that. He says, وَاخْتَارَ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ سُمَّاعًا أَجَابُوا إِلَيْهِ دَعْوَتَهُ وَصَدَّقُوا كَلِمَتَهُ That he has chosen for this hajj, سُمَّاعًا Summa' is the plural of Samir, people who listen, who people who can hear. It comes from Samir. There are some of his creation, some of the people that he has created that are su- su- that are summa'. There are people who take heed. There are people who say who listen. They are people who will say labbaik to him, meaning what? Oh Allah, I answer your call. وَأَجَابُوا إِلَيْهِ دَعْوَتَهُ وَصَدَّقُوا كَلِمَتَهُ They will answer his call. They will testify to his word. Okay, so it's as if God is calling us to the hajj and we are listening, taking heed and answering his call. But some of the uh, tafsirs of Nahjul Balagha have also pointed out this hadith, which is a nice hadith in regards to this part of the khutbah, as if Ibrahim salam is the one who is calling us and we are answering. It's a semi-long hadith, not too long, but it's not short either. And in this hadith, it says that uh, Ibrahim and Ismail السلام, once they were done building the Kaaba, Ibrahim السلام, was told to call out to the people with a loud voice um, and invite them to perform Hajj. But the thing is, Ibrahim says to Allah, Oh Allah, my voice, I mean, how loud can my voice be? How many people can I actually call in this desert? Maybe like, uh, maybe 50 people can, would, would have heard him. Maybe, maybe. Where the uh, Kaaba was actually located, maybe there was nowhere, no one around them at, at that moment. We don't know. But all we know is that Ibrahim, he t- says to Allah, oh Allah, if I call out, even with the loudest voice, like how many people are going to hear me? And then Allah says, no, you call out, I'll make sure it will reach everyone. And so it says Ibrahim went up the maqam Ibrahim, that footstep that he was using to build the Kaaba which in, in that time was stuck to the Kaaba. Of course, now they've moved it back. And those who go for Hajj know what I'm talking about. He climbed that all the way to the top. And then it says here, interestingly, that he went so high that he was above all the mountains that were surrounding uh, the Kaaba. Uh, those of you who have been, you know. It's a, mount, it's a mountainous region where the Kaaba is located. But it's interesting how it says that he went higher than all the mountains when he went up this Maqam Ibrahim. As we all know, Maqam Ibrahim is not that that high of a footstep. Okay, so very interesting here. And I think that it's being metaphorical from here onwards. Um, because, because it says he went higher than the mountains, what it probably means is that Allah is going to make sure that his, vo- his, it's, his voice is going to reach everyone in a way as if he had gone so high that he was above all the mountains. Anyway, this is open to interpretation, this part of the hadith. And that's what it goes on and he says that uh, he put his fingers in his ears. Because when you want to shout out loud, brothers and sisters, it will bother you and your ears, right? And so you have to cover your ears so you can really go all out if you really want to shout at the top of your lungs. 
And so he says, he began to shout, or well, it says with a loud voice calling out, while he's, he's moving his face left and right to the east and west, as if everyone he wants everyone to hear. Calling out, أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْحَجِّ إِلَى الْبَيْتِ الْعَتِيقِ فَأَجِيبُوا رَبَّكُمْ O people, Hajj has been made mandatory upon you. Hajj to the Bayt al-Atiq, to the ancient home. Al-Atiq means ancient. Now, let me open a parentheses, parentheses here real quick. It's not that the Kaaba was never there before Ibrahim and he built something from scratch completely. No. Um, in reality, what we read is that, no, the Kaaba was built all the way from the beginning of Prophet Adam's time. But, and was destroyed in Prophet Nuh's time. And so Prophet Ibrahim had to rebuild the Kaaba on the foundations, on its original foundations, when he was ordered to build the Kaaba. So Al-Bayt Al-Atiq, the ancient home, the ancient house of Kaaba. So, فَأَجِيبُوا رَبَّكُمْ So answer the call of your Lord. So he begins yelling this out and shouting this out at the top of his lungs, while holding his ears, turning his face left and right, so that as if everyone can hear him, although there barely, there are barely people around. Now here it says that the hadith it says all those people who were in the bottom of the seven seas, and women women al Mashriq wal Maghrib, and all of those between the east and the west, ila turab, till wherever soil ends, uh, is what I'm understanding from it, meaning like till the Ends of the world, okay, like as if the entire earth heard his call, okay. Allah made sure that everyone hears this call, and those who were still not born yet, and were in the wombs of their mothers even heard, and so all in all, brothers and sisters, this is why I'm saying this part it gets very metaphorical. Allah made sure in one way or another people will hear this call, this obligation of Hajj. And they have to answer this call. We have other hadiths that say some people um, they said labaik and answered this call, and they're the ones who will ever, will perform Hajj when they are born or whenever their time comes, right? And so that the hadith ends by saying they heard this call and they said labaik, Allahumma labaik, Oh Allah, we answer your call, we answer your call, we are here. So as I said, this is depicting to us this idea of how the Hajj is something that is echoing within the fitrah, within the soul of all of us, okay, especially as Muslims. And some will answer this call, others will not answer this call. Now I do want to take the opportunity here very quickly, open another parenthesis and say that, uh, brothers and sisters, when Hajj becomes wajib on us, it is wajib on us. We can't leave it for another year. This is a mistake that I have noticed some people make. When it becomes wajib on them, they're like, okay, you know, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i just do this next year, you know? No, no, no. When it's wajib on you on, on, on a specific year, you have to go on that year, unless there are some obstacles, of course. But if there's no obstacles, and it becomes wajib, and you're financially capable, and so on, you have to go that year. And we have some very harsh hadiths that um, really scold the ones who will put the hajj off for another year. So we have to be very careful about that. Okay, so let's close that parenthesis. وَوَقَفُوا مَوَاقِفَ أَنْبِيَائِهِ وَتَشَبَّهُوا بِمَلَائِكَتِهِ الْمُطِيقِينَ or الْمُطِيفِينَ بِعَرْشِهِ These people, they go for Hajj. Look at how, what a blessing. They aren't just going on a normal trip. This is a pilgrimage. 
what is the end and destination of this? They will stand in the standing place of the prophets of God. And so this is a discussion that is out there that yes, even before Ibrahim salam, prophets have gone to this land, have gone to this point on the face of the earth. After Ibrahim, definitely prophets, including our holy prophet Muhammad This is where they would stand. Not only that, the Hajar Ismail, that um, that half circle, that arc that you have around one of the sides of the Kaaba, that is where they say Prophet Ismail's mother is buried. Some will believe that Ismail himself is buried there, and other prophets of God, as the Hadith of Talaf Sulik, as other Hadiths have told us. So. All in all, brothers and sisters, there's a lot going on here. Now, if you remember a few minutes ago, I said that all of this for what? What are, we, what are they getting out of this? Well, when you go and you quench your thirst, that spiritual thirst that you have, and you are cleansed, that, that spiritual cleansing that you desire, that you need, even if you don't notice it yourself, what happens is, Imam Ali here, he says, that this hajj makes you you're doing tawaf around the Kaaba, but in reality, you have become like the angels who are doing and performing tawaf around the Arsh and throne of Allah, whatever that means. We do have hadiths, and uh, we had this in the you know in the same khutbah, khutbah number one, when the Imam was speaking about the angels. Some of them, they are associated with the throne of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Or the Quran tells us that on the Day of Judgment, there will be some angels that are carrying the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this hajj is so great that we, by, by performing it, we are making ourselves resemble those angels. Allah is looking at us in this way, brothers and sisters. I don't know what else, what other achievements in life can secure something like this for us. Like if I go to Mars, okay, mashallah, I went to Mars. Okay, that's great. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but will that make me like the angels? If I, for example, invent the iPhone, that's great. And people are connecting with each other all across the globe. Okay, great. Does that make me like an angel though? There are only a select number of things that will make you like an angel. One of them is this, is the Hajj. Not me going to, let's say, I don't know, Dubai and Burj Khalifa. What a nice building. No, a a black cube made of stone, lifeless stone. Okay, and it's very interesting. In in Khutbah 192, Imam Ali refers to the Kaaba as something that's like, not that significant in the sense of its material dimension. Now, of course, it's the highest point that we as Muslims believe in, but in reality, he says, look, there's nothing special about it. It's just like stones that are you know, put together. And, but Allah has given it so much sanctity. Because of, Allah's, because of its association with Allah, it's so important. So you want to become like an angel. You, even the most beautiful buildings out there, if you go to them, you're not becoming like an angel. You become like an angel when you go and do tawaf around the Kaaba. Subhanallah. And this is why this should be one of our favorite destinations in life. To be able to go again and again and perform this pilgrimage, every time we go, we gain more and more nur, inshallah. But this part of the khutbah now that I'm going to read is, I, I would say, is very, be- is, is very beautiful, number one. Number two is very important for us to just reflect on. It gives us perspective. 
Yes, there are some verses in the Quran, there are some hadiths out there that are perspective ones. They are perspective verses, perspective hadiths, meaning they give us a perspective, the way we're supposed to look at things. Here it says, يُحْرِزُونَ الْأَرْبَاحِ فِي مَتْجَرِ عِبَادَتِهِ وَيَتَبَادَرُونَ عِنْدَهُ مَوْعِدَ مَغْفِرَتِهِ Now, I hope you excuse me with the example that I'm going to use here. This is a very materialistic example, but it's one that I guess we can all relate to and uh, probably understand better. And then I'm going to go to what the the sermon is saying. It says, uh, excuse me, the example I want to give is like the New York Stock Exchange. Exchange. We've all seen video of the New York Stock Exchange. What's happening? Are people sitting down calmly, having a sip of their coffee, you know, every now and then clicking on a mouse or maybe tapping on their phones, trading some uh, uh, stocks and so on. No, it's it's chaos in there. It's like a, it's like a pit where you throw people in and like it's just chaos, <laughs> okay? People shouting, people running around, pointing at, it, at, the, at, at screens and jotting numbers down and so on. That's what, you, that's what the New York Stock Exchange is. What's happening in that place though? People are rushing to make profits, to make gains. Secure uh, profits that they have made on and realizing profits that they've, ta- that they've made on certain stocks and equities. Okay, so... If you want to make money, it's not going to be some calm little thing that you just go and you have a sip of coffee and no, 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 you got to run around. And so now, but it has to be the right place for it as well. New York Stock Exchange. If you run around in some other place, some park, some restaurant, you're not going to make any money. You got to run around in the New York Stock Exchange to make some money. And still, you have to be very selective. You have to be very careful. You got to be timing things right, you know, nailing bottoms you know, nailing the tops of curves and, you know, taking profits when you can so that, and then buying dips, etc., etc. That's what they say. All right. So now, having said all of that and giving that example, here it says, يُحْرِزُونَ الْأَرْبَاحِ يُحْرِز means to secure something, to realize something. You know, they say there's um, unrealized profits versus realized profits. Even if you have, let's say, uh, a stock that has multiplied by 10x, if, if you don't sell that stock, you haven't realized the profits that you've t- you've made. You have to realize profits by selling. That's the only way you secure your profits, right? Or else that same stock that went up 10 times might drop 10 times. Okay, and you won't have any profits anymore because you didn't realize the profits when you were supposed to. You didn't secure it when you were supposed to. Here it says, These people who go to Hajj, and they're in that Masjid al-Haram now. Now you've performed Hajj maybe... And then now you're doing mustahab tawaf, mustahab salat. You're doing different things there. Or the hajj itself, you're performing it there. You are securing arbah. Arbah means profits. Right? It's the it's the plural of ribah. You are securing profits in the a'mal and actions that you're performing and deeds that you're doing there. The rituals you're carrying out. But because you have to be in the right place for this though. Now, this is not to dismiss the worship that we do, brothers and sisters, outside of Masjid al-Haram, in our homes, I don't know, in the West, the East, wherever we live. That ibadah has its own value and worth. But all in all, there is a matjar of ibadah. There is a place of tijara. Matjar means place of tijara, a place of trade. 
And that's why I used the New York Stock Exchange as an example. There you have to be in the right place. Yes? Which is a place that you will have the ability to trade ibadah and do ibadah. Where you can secure profits and arbah. Now, the Masjid al-Haram is, is, is a place to look at like this, in this way. And of course, our life in its entirety also is a matjar, is a place of tijara and us doing trade with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so to speak. I hate to use that word. Um, and securing profits in this life as well. But within this matjar of dunya that we live in, there's a, a, a special matjarul ibadah, which is Mecca, which is the Kaaba, which is the Hajj, in which we can make huge gains and realize crazy profits. It's the wording here that just blows my mind how the Imam says it. And as I said, in the New York Stock Exchange, everyone's running around, right? Rushing to make the most. Here it says, These people, what are they doing? They are rushing towards his promised forgiveness. Like this is it. This is the place. And Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us these opportunities in life. The Knights of Qadr, special mercy of Allah. The Hajj, special mercy of Allah. The Day of Arafah, special of mercy of Allah if you're in the uh, land of Arafat. If you're in the land of Karbala on the Day of Arafah. 15th of Sha'ban, the night of 15th Sha'ban. And so on and so forth. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a whole list. We all know. We, we, we Alhamdulillah, we observe these different sacred days and we go to these sacred places, one of them, of course, one of the best where you can get your forgiveness is the Hajj. So I personally think that it's a very nice example to use in this dunya, these exchanges where everyone's running around to realize their profits and secure their gains. Think about the opportunity we have. And that's why there are some people out there who they make the most of this life and they go again and again and again. Of course, not overdoing things, of course, but all in all, they know how important it is. Some people, you know, they'll, they'll have vacations elsewhere. That's perfectly fine. I'm not, uh, I don't have an issue with that. But then there will be some who will say, okay, I'll have my vacation, but I'm not just going to keep it to one hajj that became wajib on me. I'll do mustahab, mustahab hajj, hajj as well in the future. And they save up for that. And they spend time on that as well. So, Tuba Lahum, really glad tidings to them. They say Imam Hassan, he performed the Hajj 25 times in his lifetime. And he would go by foot, which is also interesting and that has special rewards. Anyway, let's move on. Ja'alahu subhanahu wa ta'ala lil-islami alaman wa lil-a'idina haraman. This Masjid al-Haram, I want to say, is... And this, this Kaaba, Allah made it an alam. It is a flag. It is a standard. It is one of those things that everyone identifies Islam with. When you put a sign up, when you put a sign up on a store, on a restaurant, that sign is what gives identity to that location. Okay? And so it's saying that, do you want to know what the identity of Islam is? Where it gets its identity from? The Kaaba. Masjid al-Haram, the Hajj. These are things that everyone in the world now identifies Islam with. Alaman lil-Islami alaman. It is an alam. It is a sign for Islam. 
and this masjid al-haram as was explained and mentioned earlier it is a sanctuary a safe place for those who are seeking refuge he made it obligatory, its pilgrimage, and laid down its claim for which he held you responsible to discharge it. Thus Allah the Glorified said, And purely for Allah is incumbent upon mankind, upon the people, the pilgrimage to the house, for those who can afford to journey there. And whoever denies, then verily Allah is self-sufficiently independent of the worlds. Here it says whoever denies. Very interesting. It's saying that if you can go to the Hajj, but you don't go, this is a form of kufr. And as I said, we have some harsh literature in this regard. The hadiths famously tell us, if you if, wajib, if Hajj becomes wajib on you, you don't go and die. The hadith says, okay, you died without going to Hajj when it was wajib on you. You can die as a Yahudi, as a Jew, or as a Christian, meaning you're not Muslim anymore. Aw Nasrani, a Christian. So this is a something we have to be very careful about. You know, if you remember, I opened up a parenthesis about these about this uh, earlier in the, this session that if it becomes wajib on us, brothers and sisters, we gotta go. And so what we need to do as Muslims is we need to research a little bit, learn the rules in regards to when it becomes wajib on us, and then see if it has become wajib on us, and then if it has, to make sure we go that year that it is wajib on us. Alright, so this is uh, the khutbah, and the imam, of course, he cites that famous verse, and I read it, that the translation as well, that, لِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا He cites this verse, and then it ends with وَمَنْ كَفَرَ Whoever is whoever exhibits kufr and disbelief verily Allah is self-sufficiently independent of the worlds so this is a very famous verse for hajj it's also discussed a lot in the um, uh, kharij the bahith kharij circles the fiqh uh, the advanced fiqh circles that we have in the seminaries in qom najaf other places it's a very famous verse so he also cites this now having said all of that and we are ending here uh, Alhamdulillah, we have ended this um, this khutbah, khutbah number one. It ended with hajj. I just want to add one more point to everything. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand that there is a link and relationship between our spiritual growth and development and some of the hardship that we go through physically in this life. And so Allah, I mean, we have enough, we have enough problems, we have enough hardship in this life that we're in. But Allah has also sprinkled some hardship for us that's physical and made those forms of worship. So for example, Salat. Salat requires us to get up. It requires us to move around. Ruku', sajda, getting back up for the second rak'ah, third rak'ah. It requires us to wash our face, arms, you know, the, the whole wudu process. All of this is work, brothers and sisters. Take time out of the day. It's work. Out of our physical lives, not it's not, uh, it's, it's not he's not telling us to just do something spiritually here. He's telling us to physically do something. There's a link, it seems, between the uh, metaphysical and the physical. Let's take uh, the fast of Ramadan, for example. 
the holy month of Ramadan, we have to fast. 30 days. That's asceticism, brothers and sisters. That is a form of riyadah or riyazat, as they say. Okay, we are putting ourselves through hardship at the end of the day. The hajj, same thing. We're putting ourselves through hardship. The ihram is not easy. Now, in this day and age, you're muhrim for a few days if you're going for hajj, and muhrim for a few hours maybe if you are doing umrah. And uh, you, you drive from the Miqat to Masjid al-Haram. You perform the a'mal and the deeds or the actions of the Umrah. And then you leave, you come out of the Ihram, you're done. Okay, So it's a few hours and a few days if you were doing Hajj. Back then it was maybe a month or two for the whole journey. But all in all, whatever it is, it's hard. It's not easy. And so Allah it keeps taking us out of our comfort zone. Albeit in a way that is not going to be unbearable for us, of course. In a bearable way, He is slowly and very gently nudging us in the direction of not being lazy creatures. And we have in that famous dua, the Imam, he says, al-kasal." I, I seek refuge in you from laziness because laziness will not allow us to grow. Forget about physically, but even spiritually it won't. And we have to understand that, yes, these a'mal, they require money. They require time, energy. They require us to physically sometimes leave our comfort and comfort zones so that we are able to perform them. But that is only then, when we perform them, that all of a sudden it says that He made us like, or we are becoming like the angels, al-mutifin, the ones who are doing tawaf around the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the matjar we're in, brothers and sisters. The matjar of this life which is a place of tijara, matjar, a place of tijara. We are here to make the most of what this world can offer us, of prophets for the akhirah, prophets with an F, securing prophets for the akhirah. And it only happens when we get off our backs, put aside laziness, shoot laziness in the face, discard and get rid of it, and get serious about life. We pray that Allah gives us the opportunity to perform Hajj again and again, Umrah again and again, to go for Ziyarat of Ahlul Bayt again and again, to be able to perform Salat Al-Layl, to perform our Salats on time, all of these physical Ibadat that we have, so that we can grow metaphysically, inshaAllah Ta'ala. With that, we end this first Khutbah of Nahjul Balagha, Alhamdulillah, we are done with it, and we will move on in our next session to Khutbah number two. والحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته